0: Welcome to Cane and Rinse Podcast, Volume 3, Issue 111, Near. You can play along with Cane and Rinse, Volume 3. The next five issues are Hitman, Blood Money, uh, a special on cave shoot ups We are returning then after that to Mario in, with Super Mario World. Then the last story, and we return to Castlevania just in time for Lords of Shadow 2. We will be looking at the original Lords of Shadow. Uh, that's the next five shows. There are more than that on the blog. Kananrince.com has full schedule, uh, links to Forum, Merchandise Stall, Facebook page, Twitter feed, and our YouTube channel. Um, it would be fantastic if you could subscribe, review, rate us on iTunes. That really does help us out and would be much appreciated. And... Um, Atypically, I am going to give a spoiler warning now before I have had the decency to introduce my de- my my guests, much less the uh, the decency to introduce this uh, issue. Uh, simply because it's going to be very easy, very quickly to start spoiling um, spoiling near and what it is. So, if you think you would like to be surprised by near, as many people are. Uh, go away and, and and please do play that now and think of us once you're done. Uh, if you are happy to uh, be spoiled on Nier, then you're in the right place. I'd also like to add that you should be thinking of us while you're playing the game. <laughs> <laughs>
1: right, right.
0: At okay. <laughs> uh, we'll get to introducing our uh, guests in a second. You probably guessed Darren's joining us. Um but first to say, in April 2010, Cavia and Square Enix released an action RPG that quietly served as a continuation of the secret fifth ending of Cavia's relatively niche PlayStation 2 action RPG, Drakengard. Moreover, two distinct versions of the game were created and released in tandem, along with a fully orchestrated 150 minute long original soundtrack produced by Kichi Okabe and his Monaka Studio. That's worthwhile saying because it explains a little bit of what's going on in near. I am James Carter. Joining me on the hills of Radiant issue 111 to discuss the unlikely occurrence that is near. are Darren Foreman. Hey guys. Uh, we also have Dan Clark.
2: Hello there. And it's also worth mentioning that we are going to be spoiling Drakengard somewhat as well. So. <laughs>
0: yeah, I suppose so, yeah, by extension, yeah. Um, and from joystick.com, we have Sinan Kuba returning as well. Thank you very much.
3: Hello, thank you for having me. Uh, even scratching the surface of near sounds really daunting.
0: It does a little, yeah. When I say it's an unlikely occurrence, that I think that intro intro sums it up quite nicely. It's it's niche for even a niche game. So, uh, and and they've gone to great lengths to make it a rather bigger bigger event than one would suspect. Uh, which leads us nicely on to our histories with the game. So, uh, Sinam, would you like to get us kicked off? When did you hear of near and uh, and uh, how long ago did you play the game?
3: Uh, so I heard of near in the year it was released, of, which was, I think, 2010. Um, yeah. A few months after it came out, it had a, uh, as we'll get on to, a, some, a somewhat mixed reception. But it kept getting... Mm. Um, that name just kept popping up from certain people, like a, a game that hadn't been given enough service or enough justice. And uh, we ended up recording a podcast on it for um, my, previous po- my previous podcast, Big Red Potion. Um, and that's when I played the game. And, uh, the yeah, I finished it, uh, the first... <laughs> Part of it. I didn't do any of the the new game plus, and I haven't yet since. But I've, uh, I keep finding myself drawn back to the game. So that's, I guess, that's my history, isn't it? Uh,
0: yeah, yeah. I think that, that that's quite a familiar story amongst uh, <laughs> amongst a certain group of people on Twitter. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so, Dan, how about yourself? Um,
2: well, I, I was actually looking forward to it, but only from a few weeks before the release. Hmm. I suddenly saw some trailers on the net, and it started to look interesting. But then. I think it got lost. There were a lot of other games that came out at the same time, weren't there? It was like yeah. Final Fantasy Thirteen, maybe like a week before or a week after, maybe even the same day.
0: It was April 2010, and that uh, 2010 was the year um, the Dark Siders and Bayonetta came out very early on as well. So yeah, it was it was amongst a group that came out very early in 2010, um, and would have been followed up by I guess Red Dead Redemption was 2010.
2: Yeah, there were a lot of big games. So
0: possibly games. Uh, shortly after that... It for a niche
2: game like this, I can quite see how it got buried. And as Sinan says, yeah. the mixed reception kind of threw me off for a while. But then I kind of tried to read between the lines of the reviews. Especially once I found out that the... Um, apologies, and the joystick review uh, of Nier, where um, the fishing game proved to be a sticking point And the, the reviewer gave up on the game at that point. And then I read the New York Times review, which was trying it seemed to sort of be saying it's like this messiah game that we should send it to congress to prove that video games are art so i just knew i had to play it from that point and uh, and that's where it all started
0: yeah it's, it's worth saying that at the time of release uh, justin McRoy's um joystick non-review as he called it i think yeah. uh, got uh, was noticed um Pretty significantly at the time, and, and caused a little, a bit of a controversy. Although, obviously, um, f- for his part, he he was stuck early on in the game, um, and and therefore felt that he couldn't, in all, uh, you know, in, in all reason, uh, actually review it. Sinan, it, it's probably worthwhile handing over to you just briefly <laughs> to to say something on behalf of joystick uh, t- to that.
3: Well I can only speak on behalf of myself, I guess, really, because I yeah. wasn't a joystick at the time. No, sure. Um sure. so I can't sp- and d- different editor chief, different uh, mm. people there. Justin's moved on to perhaps Pap- Polygon and I wouldn't want to speak on his behalf either. No, sure. w- what I will say is I I think uh my personal view is he probably could have uh could have come back to that game and uh, I I don't I don't think he I d I'd I'd wonder if in hindsight he'd go back and do that differently. Um but uh, at the same time, there is some truth to being stuck on a game and not being able to get past it, and uh, saying you can't review it. Um, I yeah. think there are, there are two sides to it. I'm Yeah, I, know well, I'm, I mean, I it's much better.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'd say it would be much better for him to be honest about it than trying to uh, fake his absolutely. way through it. You know, of
0: course. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and it did
2: make for quite a funny video watching him trying yes. to, to fish <laughs> for like twenty minutes.
0: <laughs> I think, yeah, that's the thing that sticks out in my mind, is, is none of the none of any controversy that may have arisen or been manufactured around it. It's just Justin McElroy's an entertaining so guy. So you could and, basically and say that that is
1: ending six, in a way. <laughs> that's ending six is <laughs> stuck at the fishing <laughs> game. Yeah. yeah, he actually... Well,
2: he almost did ending D, weirdly.
0: <laughs> I suppose so, yeah. <laughs> uh, and Darren, yourself, when did you come to near?
2: Well...
1: I mean, I remember seeing a trailer for it during possibly E3 or the Toku Show or something like that, but it wasn't really a game that was standing out in my mind as something that I had to play, just something that Mm. looked interesting and that I wanted to check out. So the release date wasn't really a very big thing for me. I just Mm. went into a a local Tesco, seen it sitting on the shelf and picked it up, you know. There was nothing really more... I wish there was more to it, you know, like I'd been waiting for this (laughs) game for years, but it was just a random pickup and then I played the game and came away with some pretty strong thoughts as I'm pretty sure quite a lot of people did.
0: Yeah, 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 absolutely. Uh, Yeah, for myself, um, uh, it was a few months after release that I really sort of cottoned on. I'd, I'd heard all of the buzz seems an odd word but the chatter about Nier when it came out and it just it intrigued me more and more and more to the point where I thought you know what no I've I've got to check this out um it's a weird one because the touchstones a lot of people have as as games that it may be similar to I hadn't actually played back then and I've since gone back to some of those afterwards and and it's clear to see the the games that Nier evokes but um for me it was quite a fresh experience Um, this
2: was before you played many Japanese games at all right
0: this was, yeah, this and Bayonetta were, were two of the first, because, yeah, we had that conversation, uh, Dan back then. Uh, this and Bayonetta were two of the first games I actually played where I got over that there's a, there's an aesthetic and a tone to Japanese games that I really struggled with, um, up until th- those two games, this game and, and Bayonetta, kind of broke that for me. And, and since then, I've, yeah, sort of eaten up as, as much of that kind of, uh, Off kilter, um, as I say, aesthetic and tone as, as I possibly can. So,
3: if I could think of two Japanese games which talk about Japanese culture more, like mm. and Japanese yeah. game culture in particular, like, those are those those are the two. Um, yeah, yeah, like definitely, games
0: about yeah. games. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, really strange one. Can't put a finger on it, but it was it was much more. Uh, me changing than, uh, than suddenly the game's doing anything different I think um, uh, yeah just perspective shift and and here I am <laughs> sitting talking about Nier which well, would I not have happened three it. years ago it was ago. quite
2: exciting because i only played it very recently before you I think I was doing like ending B at the same time that you were just starting out and I remember these like, quite feverish conversations on Twitter like yeah. oh my god like, <laughs> this 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 will we'll come to <laughs> during the show but I don't want to spoil yeah. it all now yeah, yeah. but it's one of those games that I think did um for a certain group of people on Twitter, it was this quite... Um, a bit like the discovery of Fez, but without the needing to do that to get further into the game. Yeah. But, you know, like trying to sort of learn more about it as we went through.
1: The, the only tweet that I can remember James putting on at, uh, Twitter was... Kanye's got what? With about 90 exclamation f- marks. <laughs>
0: <laughs> 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 Which, again, we'll get to <laughs> later. Because, yeah, it, as always, these characters on the surface... Um, can hold you at a bit of a distance I would argue they can be a a certain stereotype or can seem like a certain stereotype that is easy to be standoffish and stand away from but as you play through Nier and and each of its four endings they they draw you in which is I would say pretty emblematic of my experience with Nier uh, on the whole. Well thanks Um, you've just
2: done my final thought for me I spent like (laughs) ages trying to write all
0: that. (laughs) We've got a clear hour and 20 minutes before we get to that point everyone including myself will have forgotten so... (laughs) So, uh, speaking of that release, um, it's it's kind of complicated, but not really, in that the game that we call Nier in the West is officially titled Nier Gestalt on Xbox 360 in Japan and on Xbox 360 and PlayStation 3 everywhere else in the world. There was also, on the same day, released Nier Replicant, which was the PlayStation 3 version in Japan. Dan, would you like to tell us about the difference between those two?
2: Um, yeah, although I I don't think the official line we have now is what actually happened. But um, hmm. depending on what you believe, they thought they needed a older character to appeal to the Western audience,
4: yeah.
2: or that they needed a more anime-like character to yeah. appeal to the Japanese audience. Now, it's a bit of a chicken-and-egg situation. Uh, early on, uh, around the game's release... Or and, and pre-release, they'd said that the Japanese anime version had come as an afterthought right. and then other interviews since have said it the other way around, so it's all a bit yeah. obfuscated. but but yeah, that's the main reason behind the.
1: And it is also quite strange because the DLC allows the Western copy to have the Japanese protagonist instead of like our near, will yeah. through it
2: so, the Japanese game, the younger protagonist is the brother of the girl, Yona, who you're trying to save.
0: Yeah, 16 uh, years old, I believe, is is the sort of target age for him. Um, and well, he's got he, enough zips to prove it. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, um, Yona it, it stays the same and is probably, we would say, what, 12, 13-year-old girl? Maybe 14, 15? It's difficult to tell because she looks quite tall, but definitely has aspects of being a, a young girl still. Um But yeah, in the Japanese version, she is younger sister, um, whereas Nier is very definitely a rather old grizzled man in, or older grizzled man, we should say, in uh, in the Western release. It's a strange one. Which which
2: you tend, if you were deciding yourselves, which you think was the original story, brother or father, which makes more sense to you?
0: Personally, father, because but it may just be because that's what I've played. What play. To be honest, yeah, it's, yeah that, it? it's very difficult. I think
1: that the father angle is probably my preferred one. Although I think that it could possibly have been the brother that was original design.
0: Yeah,
1: hmm. it just seems more in line with the normal Japanese storytelling.
0: Yeah, I, I can't think of any other situation. The protagonist seems like almost the one thing you would not want to change if you were changing something about a game or a film or a TV show or something like that. seems like the protagonist would be the one thing, the one constant almost, but this is a very strange situation. Especially where
2: it's literally the one thing. It's the There's one change. Else yeah, everything else is the same.
1: And the most yeah. interesting thing about it is that it the, the game is named after this protagonist who is different in both
0: copies. <laughs> yeah. 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 Very strange. Sinan, do, do you have any, um any thoughts on, on that?
3: I mean, I, I I think it would be great if there were more brother sisters in games than than father daughters. I think the father daughter yeah. thing is a bit played out. But like like you, James, I kind of maybe because I've played it this way, hmm. but it, it seems right to be father and daughter. That makes I actually would say it makes more sense in how that story plays out as well. Um, just just that there is something. Yeah. There's something about, about the about lens
0: he goes near goes to for for Yona. Um, I think that. Speaks maybe to that stereotype, as you say, it is a bit played out that a father or a mother would do anything for their child. You right. know, we we see that a lot. Whereas um, sibling uh, love tends to be seen rather differently, perhaps. Um, but that that may be my opinion because it, it, by all rights, I am an older brother. I should, I should be able to to imagine myself in that position much more than um, being a father with a daughter because I'm I'm not that. But yeah, it's. And of course, we've had you know various games, uh, high-profile games that have played on father-daughter relationships recently. Um, particularly, Walking Dead. I'm thinking of, although it wasn't that the relationship, it was definitely that style of relationship. Um, and and Last of Us similarly uh, has, has played on that. So, so we've touched on critical reception, which I think we would all perhaps categorise. It seems as as mixed. Um, some very strong fans, diehard fans almost of of this game, very uh, staunch advocates of it and then some people who kind of I, I wouldn't say I, I've I've heard anyone being dead set against the game, but certainly a lot of sort of more <sighs> head scratching responses I would call it, maybe just not quite not quite seeing uh maybe what other people do in in near. And um, as far as commercial such a snob, because prof- the
1: very second you said that I was thinking uh, there's no AK-47s in the game. That's <laughs> <laughs> well, a shite.
0: Well, a couple of forum posts did did touch on something that I've kind of felt, which is this game does feel like it came in the middle of what was now last generation, and was harking back to the generation before when most mainstream games seem to have been doing something else than than this sort of stuff. It did. It does feel like there was a certain uh, a tied if you like in, in a certain direction um, at this point some of the follow up sort of the um, the games that, that took their lead from Braid or something like that hadn't really come to the fore yet in, in the way that they did in, in maybe 2011, 2012 so it is a it is a strange one um, I think.
3: Well to kind of follow on from that I mean it, I don't know if that's what you're saying James but it kind of sounds mm. like you, you're implying that it's almost like an indie game in how it feels and plays. Yeah, um, it does in, feel like it, yeah, I In the kind of, there's an alternus to it, and uh, it feels like it's very deliberately designed. Um, I wonder yeah. if it would have been, if we're if 2013's gaming press would be a bit more prepared for a game like Nier now, when we're seeing that, that shift is a bit uh, more apparent towards uh, AAA games having, or trying to show that they have a bit more authorship.
0: Yeah, um, I mean, I think, certainly the playing with different gameplay styles, etc., and not just in the way of, to to follow on Darren's um, way of describing it, not just this is a shooter, but you've got a turret section type thing, actually a different gameplay style and mixing it up in the way that Bayonetta is another good example of a game that just suddenly, and Darksiders actually, suddenly threw you in a direction that wasn't what you'd been doing for the past five hours um, and put you in a very different gameplay setting. Um, I think there's more, more willingness to experiment with that maybe now, but that could just be that I, I quite like that style of, of design and I'm finding I'm, I'm drawn more to it perhaps rather than actually being an increased uh, trend.
3: I will. uh, The other thing I'd also say is if I, if I had to review it, um, Hmm. it would depend who I'm reviewing for, obviously, but it's difficult because there are, there are flaws. There are definite flaws in this game. Um, and you'd have to make mention of them, but um, at the same time, like I can't think of any games which are more interesting from the last generation. Than yeah. This. So it's such a it's such a difficult game for a, a reviewer to approach.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think it's easy to see why why some people kind of left uh, were left nonplussed by the game. Um, Head scratching is the term I used earlier, and I think that that kind of applies. Um, as far as commercial performance, I don't like sales figures. U- I feel like they're used as PR. And advertising a bit too often. In this case, I don't think we can claim that I'm trying to use this as any kind of advertising for the game. Um, roughly about 780,000 copies sold worldwide, um, which isn't on the surface of it for such a niche game. It's not bad by any stretch of the imagination, but for a third-person action RPG, we've seen games like Ostensibly, like this, do uh, you know do much better in terms of sales um, from Square and, Enix? For, yeah, for, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, and and it was pretty again according to VG Charts, um, it, it pretty evenly split between North America, Europe, and Japan. Which, obviously, bearing in mind Japan is overall kind of I guess a smaller market just by virtue of number of people we're talking about there versus North America or Europe. Um, that's It probably means that it sold better in Japan, which isn't entirely uh, entirely surprising, I guess
3: it was completely non-marketed here; like there was no marketing in the West whatsoever, as far as I could see.
0: Well, that's what I said earlier. I mean, like when
1: it came out, I just found it lying on a shelf. I had no knowledge that the game was out. There was no advertising for it. It just seemed that Square wanted to kind of pop it out on the shelves and forget about it.
2: Hmm. Um, well, I think the proximity to Final Fantasy XIII I think just, their eyes were just in a... It's
1: so a strange, you time. know, like can you imagine how many mines would be blown and people wouldn't be able to process it if this game had been Final Fantasy XIII with higher production values? Same storyline, same general gameplay Yeah, yeah, that would have been incredible Minds See, would to me, be it, exploding all over the place
2: okay. <laughs> It would have been a great last-gen Final Fantasy game Yeah, you're right
1: And it would have had a decent story, you know That would have been nice <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, speaking of those production values, um, we're going to come on to the music of the game pretty much last of all, because I think it's something that is probably important uh, to give a, a separate section to. But I kind of mentioned it in my introduction. This game, by all rights, is a very niche product, but two separate releases, they actually went to the trouble of, okay, it's just changing the character art and, and a few lines of dialogue, but they were they were um, translating it for each region anyway, so that probably wasn't, ridiculously difficult but it's lengths to go to such as producing a soundtrack that we'll talk about later such as producing um a book to go with it, it along with the theme of the game called Grimoire Near um it seems like there were grand intentions behind this and that's part of the authorship you're talking about I think Sinan in terms of giving caveat um not free reign I'm sure but the, the they had budgets and scope etc but they were afforded a lot of um, it seems license to develop art and music and a a periphery to this game that maybe would be more at home around a quote unquote bigger game. Um, Nier seems like an odd fit for it perhaps Um, Dan do you want to just talk us through Grimoire Nier and and what it is because it it sounds daunting frankly
2: Yeah um, it is and it's the original book's only in Japanese. It was only mm. uh, ever published in Japan. And what it attempts to do is explain a little of the, the backstory of the universe. Um, it also gives yeah, detail on all of the characters. Um, and every weapon in the game has its own little story in this book. Uh, in fact, it has uh, each weapon has three levels of story for the different times you can level it up in the game. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it's daunting. It goes into... Ridiculous detail and depth, but it's got some great developer interviews in there as well. So um, if after this you want to sort of take things even further, then do look it up. There's a great Google translation that's been that's been done over the past few years as a sort of crowdsourced project. Um, hmm. So yeah, give that a Google and have your mind blown. <laughs>
0: um, I mentioned that, that um, I hadn't played a lot of the games that people pointed to as obvious um Sources for the type of gameplay and the type of game that Nier is um i 've put a few examples down here, but without letting those color your your judgment, I wonder if, if you guys would like to talk about when you played Nier, what games it evoked for you what What did it throw your mind towards
2: The obvious one' zelda isn 't it I think for most people it's it almost plays on the tropes of that game like to to a t, hmm. including a, a great reference at one point or so. <laughs>
1: For me it was closer to Shadow of the Colossus. Just the second you go out into the plains and you've got this massive scope just for a world like spread before you. I mean it doesn't play a great deal like Shadow of the Colossus, but just seeing that it, that was kinda like the quickest, most immediate reference that I had for the game. Yeah,
2: thematically definitely. Yeah.
4: Hmm.
3: Yeah, I go I go with Dan, I think uh, I think it is Zelda, I think it I think it's Japanese game design in general, but hmm. but mostly Zelda. Um, And that reference is fantastic, and at
2: the perfect time as well. Yeah, I love that reference. I'm guessing Um, you... Yeah, everyone spots that reference. Who am I talking to? (laughs) (laughs) Like it's some hidden thing.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, as you mentioned, it does does wear its... um, where its heart in its sleeve when it comes to to references like that much like as we said also Sinan said bayonetta very much a, a game about games as much as it is a game in its own right in terms of the combat uh, it, it's it's probably not that obvious because i I think it's fair to say the combat isn't fantastic in near but according to the um according to caveat and and uh, members of caveat uh god of war was the frame of reference for it and i can kind of see it it's 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 a simplistic hack and slash type um system with a i guess a, a ranged attack from the magic etc so i i get that but it yeah it's it's nowhere near i guess tight enough is the is the operative phrase to to draw from God of War too much, I don't think.
1: It's very functional, you know. I mean, that's mm. pretty much the exact yeah. word I would use to describe it. It largely does what it's supposed to do. Um, it does it better than some games that focus on that, but it's definitely yeah. not good enough mm. in its own right to be the focus of the game.
2: Mm. Did you guys play it mostly as a ranged combat? Oh, God, or no. a close-up melee? I got stuck yeah.
1: in like a real man would, and then I gutted my <laughs> enemies up close and <laughs> personal.
2: See, I played it almost as a, a twin-stick shooter, Mm. well not all of the time but a lot of the time in fact there's obviously a point that we'll get to that, that hints at that yeah, yeah. very mm. strongly but um, the rest of the combat all after that point I almost played it as that style of game for the rest just because there's nothing else that I could play that feels like that I guess
1: mm-hmm. I just quite go running about with a floating book shooting uh, projectiles <laughs> at everyone <laughs>
3: But like you said, Darren, it is, it is flexible. Um, the problem is that a lot of that flexibility is stuck behind that user interface, which is, and that game has one of the worst user interfaces I've ever played. Yeah. I mean, that menu is almost as impenetrable as that Grimoire Noir uh, synopsis <laughs> that you linked <laughs> to us <absurdly laughs> earlier. Uh, it's just, it's uh, terrible, um, and it's a real shame.
1: I can't remember the, the actual uh, menus that well, probably because I've repressed them, just like, t- trying to skip the horror.
2: Yeah. <laughs> also, you did Ending D, so... Did-
0: yeah <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. it's it, yeah it's a real strange one there's all sorts of yeah weapon upgrading and yeah managing which magic i think you can yeah manage which magics you have um active etc but not an easy thing to do and certainly not in the mold of some of the more on the fly customizations that games have, have had since it's similar not games of
1: dmc since. we'll put it that way
0: yeah that's exactly what I was thinking of, and and I know, I know you would be too. But yeah, it it, ev- it evokes seems to be my word of the day, but it does evoke that sort of gameplay. But yeah, it it could never hold up to it. But functional is probably a good way to put it. Um, I I certainly remember mixing up magic and and um, getting stuck in with the swords and and various weapons a bit. But for the bosses, it would kind of depend on. It would tend to be ranged simply because my timing's awful and dodging out the way of attacks, etc. So,
2: also many um, of the bosses sort of force you into that I mean, yeah. of you not being yeah. able to get close enough to attack the, yeah, brain, the other. Yeah, means. yeah, sure,
0: yeah. Um, this is uh, uh, an opportune moment to bring in one of our forum members who uh, put a uh, nice post up about near um, Dan. I wondered if you would uh, take this one from Cap Green.
2: Of course, near is a seriously flawed game. It tried its best to put me off with baffling design decisions such as tedious side quests and occasional escort quests, and the mediocre combat didn't interest me, although the magic does freshen things up a bit. However, the especially poignant narrative and lively characters, especially the Alan Alan Rickman-like Weiss really drew me in and I found myself unable to stop playing at times the closest comparison I can draw is *The Deadly Premonition a game I enjoyed only due to the excellent writing
0: uh, yeah I think that sums up a lot of what we were saying nicely and even uh, brings brings out Deadly Premonition which we've already mentioned as well which is uh...
2: and again it touches on um, the, the idea that it sort of tries to put you off it almost plays passive aggressive with you yeah which like, again I was going to save it for my final thought but it fits <laughs> well with what we've all been talking about here I suppose that yeah, there's a there's a passive aggression to it where it sort of seems to mm. say, like, look, I'm I'm making myself really obtuse. You don't really like me, do you? And it's like, no, <laughs> listen to your own soundtrack. It's lovely. Like we do like you. And then it keeps on sort of batting back and forth with that. But it makes it quite a likable game for that. Maybe it's kind of a socially awkward game almost. You know?
1: It's got a crocky personality, hasn't it?
2: <laughs> yeah.
4: Yeah.
3: I think that's actually like really epitomised by the side quests, which um, which Captain Green mentioned, which um which kind of tell you. To not play them when you're playing them They just they, yeah, they yeah. ask you like why are you doing this It's such a pointless thing to be doing Like um, mm. going off to I think kill five of sheep Or or take someone somewhere or something
1: Or oh, that achievement it, where you've got to kill a hundred sheep for no reason
3: That's it <laughs> <laughs> and, and it just mocks you the whole time For, for doing yeah. it um, we, And you don't have to do those side quests uh, I didn't do any of them and the game is much better without them um, mm.
2: So maybe It is but there's great point. stories There's great stories behind them Um I'm, I'm guessing you did do the one with the dog quite near the start of the game, Sinan? Yes, I think so, that first one, yeah. Uh, is that the first one? Yeah, it's yeah. very early on in the game, where um, there's an old man in the village who wants you to rescue his dog. Um, so you go off hunting and you find the dog, but the dog's dead. So uh, it's, you think, oh God, they've done it again, they've put me in another side quest with another depressing ending, ha ha ha. So then you go back to the village to tell the guy, and then... He's dead as well, so it's like an extra little punch like that like little dum. Well, and it
0: transpires that the dog has a leaf in its mouth that was probably his medication that would have saved him as well. Yeah. Which <laughs> yeah, is just—it's uh, it's it's like the knife's already we... in. We'll just twist it a little bit. Just, just—you know—you went out your way to do this. We're going to slap you on the back of the hand for it, you know. It, it, and no, that's yeah,
1: why I was told to never to do side quests. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit! I mean, yeah. yeah. Th- there's there's a, a lovely
0: story. I think it's the postman missions um, where it transpires. There's that he a had an old...
1: AIDS and he was seconds away from being remarried. <laughs>
0: <laughs> where you're delivering letters, and and you're delivering letters um, f- that are years old. I, I want to say. I think this is right, Dan. You might be able to correct me. So so it's this it's this couple who who were exchanging letters years ago, and I think you you do end up finding that one of the correspondents has died, and the other one has got this sort of giant hole in her life. Um, I think that's right. I might be misremembering, but I
2: think it, it's something to do with hidden letters and someone like them, them yeah. writing letters. On behalf of the person, or, or it's just another yeah, yeah, that's the right. The letters
0: keep coming, um, despite the fact that the person that they are ostensibly from has died, and someone is continuing that uh, that letter writing. It's just very bizarre. And as Sinan says, the first one of the first things you're told is, "Don't do these side quests." Absolutely, do not do the gardening quest, despite the fact there's an achievement for it. Don't kill sheep because it's horrific killing sheep. First thing you have to do in the game is get three lots of mutton for um, for someone in the village and. It, it's really upsetting, frankly. Darren, I'm sure you disagree, but I found it upsetting. No, basically I'm quite happy <laughs>
1: of killing anything that's trying to stab me, but other than that, I am a complete wuss.
0: <laughs> they, they do have a, a mean kick on them, I suppose, so... Uh, they, yeah, the they minute maybe that happens, it, they get slaughtered. <laughs> <laughs> oh, on uh, side,
2: so if you didn't do the side quests... Or did any of you do the side quests? No. I suppose you did a few here and there. I I
0: did, yeah, about half of them, I think.
2: Um, If we're on that here, then did you do the shark fishing one? To to Uh, make the shark fin soup for the chef? No. I did some
0: fishing, but I didn't get that far, I don't think, no.
2: That's another lovely one. And again, it's like spoilerific, but it's only a side quest, so. Yeah, yeah. um, So, the chef in the uh, seaside town, in the bar, uh, he asks you if you can. uh, go and catch some shark for him so he can make shark fin soup Hmm. Um, but the shark has got quite a low um, what's the word, probability of being able to catch it so it takes quite a while like maybe an hour or two of fishing to get it, then you take it back to the restaurant and he's like oh I'll cook us some up now and he does and you both eat it and his verdict is well it's right," but next time I'll probably make it without the shark (laughs) (laughs) so next time I'll just make soup yeah. yeah, and not send you on this like, two to three hour mission for
1: nothing. I was half expecting the chef to be dead by the time you got back, to be honest. The, <laughs> the, the shark,
3: shark kills him, <laughs> yeah. Um. These the side quests are like a, a really good thing to read up on, but not necessarily maybe play. Not to play. Well, I mean, yeah. that's the thing. I mean
1: I was warned before uh, starting the game that doing side quests was usually half an hour jo- journey across the map, half an hour journey back, nothing to show for it. Yeah. So, Other
2: than a beautiful beautiful little story like little vignettes of this world yeah. um see i want to do a playthrough once i finally get round to ending d which i keep putting off i keep doing the side quests in the second half of the game because <laughs> i'm I, I just don't want to end the game uh but i'm hoping to do a playthrough sometime doing all of the side quests uh, other than the silly gardening ones and fishing ones and things like that yeah
1: you don't want to fight flood
2: that's the one thing I really don't want and Speaking I'm sure of, that's there yeah, just rare, to annoy people items,
0: yeah. the, the, the last achievement most people get is a gardening achievement that requires it's like a 0.2% drop rate I think on being able to harvest these seeds from having combined two flowers a previously a very
2: low rate of the successful flower growing from those growing from the seeds as yeah. well it's a horrible 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 trick <laughs> I've, I'm sure but, it's a trick
1: um, this mm. seems to be a very common thing in JRPGs, where they'll put in these side quests that are just... The entire point of them is to waste your time. There is no reason that mm. they could possibly have for making these so incredibly awkward to accomplish.
2: <laughs> Other than to troll people that are achievement hunters. Especially <laughs> when you've got Grimbois Vice um, saying to you, "Oh, why do you have to do this for the locals? <laughs> yeah. well, there's one woman in the seaside town who, when you uh, first talk to her, she says, you're that random guy who does quests for anybody he meets, are you? <laughs> it's like, yeah, I suppose I am, yeah. Like, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, they do warn you, and it's... I think uh, a lot of the, what ca- can be uh, perceived as bad design decisions are actually uh, all sort of contextual with the story and the world. It's all part of this sort of hmm. depressing but tongue-in-cheek, like, they'll stab you in the eye but then give you a little fla- uh, flower afterwards, but then it'll be a squirting flower. Do you know what I mean? It's <laughs> kind of yeah how the game feels
0: yeah definitely aside from the side quests just on the main sort of story i found it remarkable the various different places you go and the different um the gameplay styles that the the near employs while you're there i'd listed i thought everything but i've just seen another couple added to the list there (laughs) that that i had forgotten about um it doesn't just change what you're doing, it also changes the whole tone as well. Specifically in, in one area I'm thinking of, um, the entire tone of the game changes from area to area. Um, so, off the top of my head, the one that stands out mainly is the text adventure, because it is so very different from everything you're doing, but there is an area of the game where there's very little to do, except there is a tree to interact with. And... In order to be able to um, to continue the story, you have to play through a text adventure. Um, that that's kind of typical of Nier in some ways, but it's so very bizarre, and it is it, it's absolutely in keeping with the notion that in this world, books have a, and stories have a lot of power in in terms of legend and myth, but actually in terms of uh, Grimoire Vice being a book that has a lot a large amount of magical ability. Um,
2: it's also the only point in the game where the controls change. Mm. Yeah. every other, even though it goes through many gameplay styles, the controls are always uh, sort of fixed and f- like they, yeah, uh, consistent yeah. throughout the rest of the experience. Yeah. This is the only point where they they're not. So that's a really so good point, going. Dan. I mean, it's,
3: it's all done by shifting the camera. Um, yeah, yeah. And yeah. that's it's a really clever way of doing it, but it's very effective. Yeah. I think the other clever thing about it is for like the first three or four hours of the game, it is really strict Zelda ness. It is like you uh, you hmm. leave that village and then it's essentially it's behind the hero uh, Zelda camera in a very open world and open field and it doesn't do anything crazy. And then all of a sudden, you know, I think I think like the first thing is the the top down shooter. Maybe is that right? Um, in a yeah, in a dungeon, yeah, and then you get to. Uh, uh, I think the, the the manner where you have the isometric survival horror, and, yeah, uh, yeah. which is like Resident Evil, very Resident Evil, yeah, like, very much, uh, yeah. and then it keeps doing that over and over, and and all of a sudden you're just like wondering what it's going to do next, um, and it, it constantly surprises. But yeah, I think if it, if it was doing that from the start, it might not have had as much impact.
0: Yeah, it does. It very much sets sets its stall out, and then it it seems like in many ways what we're what we're talking about near is trying to surprise you at every single turn. but only after it set your expectations, which is is quite a smart thing to do. Um, so, uh, d- any particular favourites that stand out? Certainly, the um, the Resident Evil throwback really stood out for me, despite having only played I think like demo of Resident Evil. That came out around about the time, instantly recognisable because the music changes. There's a filter over the screen, the camera position changes, and all the other stuff is doing is is just. It's really clear what it's they're. But into what our collective what memory, open. anyway, isn't it? It plays. Yeah, it only
2: really plays on tropes that even if you haven't played the games, like with Zelda, you you, you understand that reference, yeah. even if you hadn't played. Yeah,
0: it. yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, any, anything else stand out for anyone in terms of the various different gameplay styles that they uh, they employ throughout the game?
2: I loved the ridge racer style uh power sliding or drifting of the boars as you <laughs> as you rock around the world.
0: So that's in the second it's the second half of the game where you get to the point where you can ride the um the boars, isn't it? It
2: depends when you kill uh the big boar. You can do yeah. it quite early in the game if you um sort of not exploit it, but um if you sort of can do magic for a long 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 time. Yeah. You yeah. can do it quite early.
0: Right, okay. But yeah. Um yeah and and that becomes almost like your fast travel kind of because you yeah. can move much faster across large the, the larger areas that become simply just barriers to navigation they, they and become waves of Yeah, as and you that, sort of that go that's across. the advantages if if you can slide with any accuracy at all it can make uh, the combat an awful lot easier as well um, yeah. I
3: think I, I particularly liked whenever it moved into 2D um there's a mm. 2D platforming uh, area, uh, which is very brief, but it's it's surprising when it happens. You mm. don't think the game can do that, but also in the villages, whenever you go into certain mm-hmm. houses, Indeed, yeah. it becomes 2D. I, I don't know. To me, that immediately evoked to use James's word, um, uh, <laughs> Zelda 2. What's the thing?
1: I mean, Kenny's uh, not Kenny. Neil's house is uh, exactly like that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah
3: um and there i think there are a few other ones as well i think popola's house as well or devola's
2: house um i think almost every uh internal location every uh, like shops and bars all all switch to the 2d hmm. style. right which is which is
3: like um 2 which uh, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know just to me without all the references to zelda i felt that that was very deliberate of course my name is
1: aral yes. yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean, it struck me. I, I put the game in today, and for reasons that will become obvious, I had to start a new game. Um, and it struck me that, yeah, you when you zip um, 1,312 years into the future, I think it is, um, you start off in a 2D environment. Now, you can turn near towards and away from the screen, if you like, uh, to interact with things that are behind and in front of him. Um, but it actually... It, as a 2D game, atypically against what is often a, a criticism, it's it's an incredibly beautiful game to look at because immediately you're comparing it to other 2D side-scrolling games that often are older games or or um, downloadable indie games nowadays. And to see the, the level of detail, the level of art inside Nier's house even, even though all you're doing is walking right to left from Yona's bed down the stairs and out the door... Um, yeah it just struck me as as actually incredibly beautiful in in some ways um which i know the game is is oft criticized for not being um, but yeah i i really liked the 2D sections as well so yeah um okay so we've talked about uh, before we get on to story and endings and the like um part of what makes this game feel zelda-esque i think is is one particular area that you go to very early on in the game. Um, so the village and as well, the Northern Plains that you go out to, they feel like open grassy areas, but actually the world's actually relatively small given it's an open world. And it was made in 2010. Um, and you've got all these areas that are linked together by these grassy green open fields that feel really different from one another. I I think to me at least, um, Kine's house is sort of a, a little cave area just outside the Erie um then you've we've already mentioned emile's mansion with the the weapons laboratory underneath it and then you go off into into the desert and you've got the facade area of it as well um and I think the only truly industrial section of of the game the the research labs kind of there but the the junk keep just very sharp in my mind what that looks like and how it felt to be in there and it felt a bit like a maze because you didn't really know where you were going etc um and we mentioned the forest of myth which is this sort of uh, dark dank forest area that um that you go and play a text adventure in um how did you get what when you're thinking back to the game how do you guys feel about the the world that's presented
4: yes
3: <laughs> <laughs> well to, to, just to very quickly touch on that opening point about you were saying about how it feels like zelda but it's a small world it mm. reminds me of um, ocarina of time right because yeah. that the, the hyrule fields in that is tiny mm. um yeah. but you still get that sense of big open planes um yeah. leading to lots of different things in the world and i got that same sense from starting near um and because like you said the world is so varied it, it really carries through
1: it is really a very interesting track, you know. It's a it's a clever one as well. Where if you're spending time just in this massive map, where you've got this great music playing in the background and you're going around, you'll you'll feel as though the world is bigger than it technically is. You know, it's just yeah. got that feeling of expanse that uh, even though you're going into the smaller dungeons that are a little bit more cramped, what's sticking in your mind is just that massive field.
0: Yeah, yeah. And yeah, I guess the fact that each area that branches off that, that large plains area in the middle, it feels so distinct, which gives it's almost a metaphor for having taken a long journey off that field off the plains to get there. Um because by all rights there's no there's no reason that the the terrain should change so drastically just from going one area to the next. Yeah, so what about like microcosmic? Yeah, but yeah, it's just for a game where you do have to run across, across the northern plains quite a bit, um, and there is a lot of backtracking, they're actually they're almost being kind to you by saying we're not just going to have you run until it feels like you would reach a <laughs> desert, we're yeah. going to just yeah, we'll cut if off the there. area and then then take you there, to a certain extent I, I think at least so, And
2: there's is especially generous yeah. fast travel in the desert as well, which isn't really neat, it's not big enough to even have, you know those little uh, sort of teleporty
1: yeah, the little the things, Yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah. There's not really any need for them when you think of it's only a sort of three minute run anyway. That's right. things yeah. yeah, I mean, especially generous. Be. I
1: get the feeling that they were taunting the player. it's like hey, wouldn't these be handy in the northern plains? <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, possibly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't put it past them at this point. Let's put it that put it that way. Um, what did you What did you guys think of facade as an area? Because I think that's one
3: of the most interesting areas in the game.
0: Yeah, I really liked it. Um, for some reason, I'd got it in. I'd got it confused with Akami, and I was trying to remember why I would have been running around as a wolf, hopping from area to area in facade, <laughs> and realised that it wasn't <laughs> at all. I, I, I was near, which makes much more sense. But yeah, for some reason, it, it felt like. It fitted in in Okami, but then the, the, those games are quite similar but um, I really like the multi-layer multi-level. It feels like a place that people live in because it's not designed to be easily um, traversable um, necessarily, but once you get the grips to grips with it and and the the little sort of um, sand bolts going around in the in the uh, around the square in the middle um, it, it becomes quite a fun area I think to investigate and explore.
3: Yeah, I think as well. Just it time to the to the
2: to the rules of that area as well, and, and
0: the yeah.
3: countries yeah. on the
2: rules and the the location sort of all tie into this one sort of story about that town. It's it all kind of yeah. fits in it? this. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Um, a lot of commentary on, I guess, Mayan
3: culture and and, and yeah. Japan, there's yeah. Japanese culture as well. So, but yeah, um, stands
2: and out. And also, just the uh, sort of following blindly following rules for the sake of following rules is it's just a it's a universal. It's Absolutely, a feeling isn't it? Totally.
3: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Pissing around with a player just because you can piss around with a player. <laughs>
0: <Yep>. <laughs> um, yeah. No. And and obviously, facade has has its own um, feelings that I associate with it because of the story that's told there and Fira um, and and the king, etc., yeah. uh, and just the whole place. Um, Especially the second time round. Yeah. yeah oh, rock. Much. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing. Um, I mean,
1: like everybody knows that I'm f- a fairly unemotional guy when it comes to stories. You know, the thing about uh, Nier is there are stories in it that even I, you know, like the story of Rock, which I'm not sure if we'll yeah. get into later or not, but that could bring a tear to a guy with two glass eyes. It is just really incredibly sad.
3: Yeah, yeah. It's like, I'm the, oh, sorry, Nick, no, you go.
1: No, I mean, the thing is, I mean, it doesn't matter if you're an emotional cripple or not. You've just got to be inhuman. You've got to be the absolute <laughs> biggest cool-hearted blackness to not, like, feel anything during that one, you know?
4: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, well, I feel that way about a lot of this. the smaller personal stories that, that are told um, throughout the course of what is sometimes two or three playthroughs before you get to to actually uncover it properly. Um, but yeah, that, I think that's what, Dan, you were saying about some of the side quests as well, is it's almost worth persevering with some of the most um, turgid uh, sort of structure for a side quest, intentionally so, um, in order to to see that really sort of sad, personal, very melancholy, which I guess the whole game has a, an air of, of melancholy to it, um, story uh, that, that just... When you think it can't get any darker, it just has this relentless darkness to it that you think, even beyond the scope of the game, those side stories and and the sort of the personal stories that are being told, it's only going to get worse. Um, which is
2: yeah, there are no happy endings. Yeah, no. the thing just is, constant message.
0: There are occasional glimmers of light,
1: but it's usually hmm. so that yeah, yeah. So, uh, just so that your expectations can be raised just to be dashed down
0: again. Just to, yeah, to put you back down. But yeah.
2: But a it does hug. have a, a sort of light humour to it as well. You oh, yeah. It's, yeah, as light as it is dark.
0: Yeah, yeah. Which is, is the interesting thing about the music, because of course, going on to the northern plains, as much as you you get to the point in the game where I think I think certainly I did feel oh, I've got to go over these again, um, and it felt like a not a chore by any stretch, but it felt like a a hump in in the game to have to get over that the music that comes on every single time is is arguably, I think, the most upbeat music in the game um, and it just raises the spirits despite the fact you know where you're going you're not going to find much in the way of good but there there are those those slivers of hope um, amongst the, the people and the places that you go to.
1: Which That's is the thing, I mean if that music, um, Hell's a Radiant Light I think it's called uh, yep. yeah. If that music was playing Red during a wins. section where like Red a bunch wins. of children were being beaten to death by trees, I would probably come <laughs> away with a, with a big smile on my face, you know, thinking something happy had just happened.
0: <laughs> okay, <laughs> we'll move on before legislation and and, and jail. By um, the way, Cafe,
1: yeah. I am actually available for hire to give you story tips.
0: <laughs> um, it's worth saying at this point, before we get into some of the background to the story, and as Darren said, we, we want to talk about some of the characters. Um, before we get to that point, it's worth saying that the first time you beat the game, um, you get Ending A. New Game Plus is not as it is in other games. Um, it, it very much is that you carry on with all the equipment and, and levelling up you've already done, but it actually puts you back to ha- about halfway through your first playthrough, and um, and each subsequent playthrough after that you'll only be playing the second half of the game it's only um, a few
2: hours once you know what you're doing it's,
0: yeah actually you get, you get right to the point hours. where yeah I think second time through it was like five hours and then third time through it was yeah a couple of hours two and a half hours because you know exactly where you need to go and you know exactly what you need to do and the game, you know
2: that the story isn't like the second playthrough is kind of the big slap round the face really
0: yeah and then after that it's the yeah you, you've, you've got each time it's about just showing you what's building on what you did last time, rather than forcing you to go through the whole thing again for this, this, these slight changes, um, it's about the the big stuff, and therefore it takes you right to the heart of it, um, which is immediately after the battle with the Shadow Lord, where first time through it it skips five years forward in the story, um, and then so second time onwards. Is that the point where get the cool mask? Uh, Yes. Sweet. Yeah. Th- yeah. Was yeah. it ever explained
1: why you got the musk because masks are cool.
0: Because yeah, that's it's good cool. enough reason for me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure to be honest. <laughs> no, I, I, yeah, no. I, I guess it's kind of in keeping with the notion that at that point in the story, near becomes um, it, instead of being desperate, he becomes vengeful at, at that point because Yona has been taken from him. So it does have so, a certain <laughs> vigilante so, so, aspect to him. So the change
1: in, in emotional tone is uh, reflected in his use of a mask.
0: Yes, absolutely. sweet.
1: <laughs>
3: all that was missing um, was the uh, Christian Bale like <laughs> voice,
0: <laughs> which he's got a little bit going on all the way through. But he's he's kind of struck a happy medium, uh, Jameson Price, uh, of making yeah making near sound gruff enough to be perhaps yeah kind of Batmanish, but yeah not quite that that much. The only problem is it's the world's yeah. worst disguise. <laughs> there's, there's no getting away from it. and He doesn't exactly shy away from everyone knowing who he is anyway. So. Um so yeah the pretty much the first thing that happens in your in in new game plus is um through essentially a short story you are told a lot of Kaine's backstory which will come onto the revelations about about her uh when we get onto characters um and the other thing you notice is that you as the player can now hear what shades around you that up to this point have been speaking kind of gibberish or a language you can't understand you start to hear what they are um, what they are saying, even though the characters can't, and it's important that the characters can't because that explains why they did what they did first time round um, and you're given some extra uh, cuts, extra lead-in to uh, certain boss fights and certain encounters To show um, you why
1: the mud the people have scenes. to be beaten up but, Yeah
0: <laughs> they they, they, they flesh out some of the characters that were just enemies to be defeated first time round and and give Darren a reason to want to defeat them second time round I'm looking at you Hansel and Gretel (laughs) (laughs) so as far as story goes um, I'm inclined to pass over to you Dan if you're willing to take this because I I understand it and I think Sinan you've done some some reading on it as well but um, Dan you were the one that flagged up to me in
2: I mean, it's quite a simple story. It's like all JRPGs, where there's this sort of simple story that starts off, and it's it's so basic, isn't it? Just a father trying to save his daughter from this terminal mm-hmm. disease. So
3: Absolutely. Um, that's how the, the game almost exactly starts, minus one scene, which is very confusing at the time and then makes sense a lot later in the game. Um, but yeah, you you play as Nia, who's a father, uh, as Dan said, of a daughter who's very sick with something called a black scrawl that you learn later mm-hmm. in the game, which is a kind of disease which uh, is actually manifested by... Uh, marks on the skin sort of coming all over it's
1: basically uh, the world's was the two
3: yes uh <laughs> yeah. So, yeah that's a really good way of looking at it actually um <laughs> uh so yeah uh, you you're trying to find for search for a cure you meet uh, you meet grimoire vice who is a uh, a book uh, that can talk and seems to know everything but can't really remember much about him himself um there, then you or meet. Or can he? Or can he? Dot dot, dot. <laughs> uh, Then you meet, uh, meet Kanye, who is a uh, a warrioress who is clad only in her underwear, uh, which seems very strange. But again, that makes sense a lot later. You meet all these characters. Uh, eventually, Yona is taken away by the uh, the kind of shades, which are these monsters in the world. Hmm. And uh, and uh, in terms of that basic story, that is limited to uh, to near going off to rescue her and bring her back. And then you, yeah. uh, it all gets much more complicated the next time around.
1: <laughs> so, uh, I'd also like to point out just now that um, the Black Scroll, Yeah. if you look at the individual bits of it, it's actually
0: human DNA.
2: No, I think you're right. It is actually uh, the pattern of DNA, isn't it?
0: Yeah, which again makes sense when you understand what that is supposed to be or supposed to represent. So, so Dan, would you like to fill in a bit about maybe the the background to this? What you find out in in playthrough two and, and from doing a lot of reading is actually going on in this world. What the Black Scroll is and where it comes from.
2: Yeah. Oh man, I'll attempt to. It's quite a, <laughs> an awkward one. Um, I'm just looking at the Grimoire near now and see the timeline of the backstory mm. is is massive. It starts in like June the twelfth, two thousand and three. So yeah. Uh, and then goes all the way forward to where where you end the game. So it's a it's a long old time. But um, yeah, the second playthrough, um, where as you say, you get to hear kind of the other side of the story. What what the bad guys are? Well, you don't really know what they are, I guess, when you start out that playthrough. Mm. But um, yeah, as you say, you get these further insights into the cutscenes, like uh, like with uh, with the Wolf in First fa- in Facade. And uh BP, poor BP. Like, can we just have a moment's silence for BP, please? You know. <laughs> it, yeah. Um, so yeah, you're just constantly getting this this sort of deeper insight into it, and it all stems from, as you mentioned at the beginning, uh, an ending of the game Drakengard, a non-canonical ending to Drakengard, where suddenly at the end of the game your main character and the dragon got zapped to modern day Tokyo uh, to fight the final boss and what they brought with them and like yeah the sort of rift that that caused these sort of interdimension well creatures from another dimension suddenly coming and having a massive like firefight over Tokyo mm. is kind of what kickstarts the whole thing and it's all yeah a bit odd
0: <laughs> so. so yeah the grotesqueries queen um her body which is is a humanoid but um giant looms over an entire city um her body breaks up into into this like almost snow in the air but it, i think they call it um is it Mako um and and that starts infecting people with the white chlorination syndrome um which uh, turns people into the... If if they accept the Grotesqueries Queen, they are turned into a, a, a soldier in her legions. Um, and if they reject, then they die. Um, and so it, it leads to these um, legions of beings um, that uh, the, the Japanese government have to try and stop, basically. And the way that they do that is sort of multi-fold they create various different projects to try and uh, and organizations to try and stop um, the spread of of this syndrome and their ultimate solution turns out to be project gestalt which is to separate a human soul from its body so that the body can die and the soul can live on as a shade um, or well as a in soul form if you like Um, and And then in theory, thousands of years later once the white chlorination uh, plague has has passed um, two androids called Popola and (laughs) Devola It's such a mad story! can can produce replicant bodies from the stored DNA of the Gestalts which are the souls Um, the the replicants would then be perfect uh, vessels for the souls to be reunited and and humanity could live on.
1: it still makes if more sense, sense than Bioshock sense, head. Yeah, I was going to say if, <laughs> if
0: that makes sense, then we've done a reasonable job. If it doesn't, I think we've done still done a reasonable job of explaining the grand scheme of what goes on in this game. It's just it takes mind, a lot of getting your of head kind of the right. basic story. Yeah,
3: know, like yeah. It, it's, yeah. Can I, I, one thing I think that sort of gets undersaid when when Nate gets talked about it, is that you can play mm. that game without doing any of the New Game Plus stuff, and it will make a kind of sense to you. Um, yes, there's yeah. a kind of uh, For example, uh, at the uh, getting into spoiler territory, at the the end you see a shadow form of Nier. If if you don't know what that shadow form is, it it, it looks like a a sort of yeah, a shadow form of Nier with with wings, and for some reason it's extra powerful, um, and it's and it's trying to take Yuna away from you. Um, To me, like playing that the first time too, I just sort of saw it as kind of emblematic of questioning whether what you were doing as Nier was. uh, selfish and that you were just mm. you know you were yeah. trying to do everything to get yona back but what were the casualties of that of those actions yeah um yeah. and of course uh, when you do play that second time through and you hear what the shades are
2: saying like that only compounds that in fact to a really yeah. dark yeah. place i mean ending a is kind of a prelude isn't it it's like sort of the beginning of act three almost
0: yeah all the all the pieces are there and so you're absolutely spot on that the tone is very much brought across i think throughout the second half of the game you start to get the feeling and the notion fairly strongly that what near is doing is a very and actually he says very early on in the game he doesn't the world is dying and he doesn't really care that's not his responsibility he is looking out for himself and his daughter primarily his daughter um frankly he is Unconcerned with the fact that he may be the one person that could speed the end of the world or, or slow it down. That's not what he's he's about at all. Um, and yeah, that second ending where you then realise that, um, that the black scroll is is what happens um, to a person uh, when when their replicant starts to become self aware, um, and and the the gestalt starts to try and take the body back over so essentially uh yona's body is a battleground for her her consciousness as a replicant um and her her soul that is trying to come back into the body um yeah it 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 takes a lot of thinking through and a lot of reading to try and get to the bottom of it but yeah no you're absolutely right the the important part is that you do get the feeling of all of that Even if you don't know the minutia uh, first time around, um, which is which is quite well done, I think.
3: I just like that that was reflected in just how Nier looks as a character. Um, Mm. I mean, for a Square Enix hero, he's not the you know uh, best-looking guy in town. Let's face it; Um, he's kind of (laughs) got a very rugged, uh, rough look to him, and Mm. I I think that's actually deliberate. I think that that reflects that maybe he's not this perfect. Uh, character that is very dark character.
0: So uh, notable amongst that description, we've actually not talked about some of the key characters in there all that much. So we've talked about Near and Yona, um, and ultimately the the we'll get to a bit more of them in the endings. But we've kind of talked about what their arc is. I think really, um, Kaine, however, we have touched on the fact that there is more to her than seems. Um, she. It is. It becomes fairly obvious at the beginning of playthrough two has been designed to to mock the sort of character who is skimpily uh, clad um, and supposed to be there for titillation um, and the reason that Sinan mentioned, I think it was you Sinan that mentioned that, that it, it's kind of explained why she dresses the way she dresses and acts the way she acts um, the reason you find out about that is because, and she has lived with her grandmother um, outside of the village in which she was born um, you are led to believe that the reason for that first time through the game is because she's an orphan, um, which is part of the reason. Uh, other kids made fun of her because her parents were no longer around. Um, and also because she... she. Um, has a fairly bad attitude. It's fair to say. Lots of swearing. Fairly aggressive. Um, fairly abrasive character. And I'd also like um, to
1: say that Kenny gives you the best introduction to a game you've ever seen. Oh,
2: absolutely! Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yes, Every time you good. have, to yeah. Wait. I, I wait for her to finish. Sometimes just yeah.
0: It's, like it's brilliantly delivered. Started. Yeah, no, it absolutely is, and and it sets up her character a good few hours before you actually meet her character, and then when you see that scene played again in the middle of the of the game, the battle with the Shadow Lord, um, it's yeah, it, it it harks back to the beginning, and and you you remember that, and it all kind of starts to make sense at that point. People
2: complain that there's huge spoilers in a what it shows you visually, and be what she's saying but, but again, until as you, you play it, through it yeah you yeah. can't
0: piece that together I don't think yeah, um, yeah I watched that intro again today and I, it reminded me a lot but that's because I'd seen it played out in order and and you know uh, yeah, I
2: think out of context I don't think it gives any spoilers for yeah no it, it doesn't at all.
0: so the the thing that is revealed uh, two things that are revealed um, uh, one of them partway through the first playthrough the other one in the short story uh, at the beginning of playthrough two so the first one's nice and straightforward emil who is another character uh, that you meet has the ability to detect uh shades and he un- he discovers uncovers if you like that um kainé has a shade trapped in her arm uh arm
3: yes that's right yeah
0: yeah yeah um um, and that shade is there, uh, you discover in, in that short story, because she was uh, beaten to within inches of her life by a shade um, that then wanted to to inhabit her. And once you realise that shades are this soul form that's looking for a body, you realise that what the shade was doing was trying to find a body uh, so that it could become whole again, um, and and it saw fight in her that led it to believe that this body could be worthy of of it being it was a particularly nasty a particularly um uh grand shade if you like uh, that that did this um and and it, it saw her body as, as a potential vessel for it to become whole again um, and so she has this shade in her that may be colouring her personality but more likely what's colouring her personality is the, the years of bullying and abuse she took because not only is she an orphan but um, she is, it's never explicitly stated I don't think but it's very heavily implied um, and easy to infer um, that she is a hermaphrodite it's actually
2: um, in the grim one. It's yeah. in one of the developer interviews. it's yeah. Out, yeah. outright stated that yeah. that is the case.
0: It's very strongly implied in the game, although they don't ever use the uh, any explicit term for uh, for that. Um, but they it, use the shade as a metaphor that. for it as well. Almost,
2: I do think, think so. that
1: yeah. you're on one of the side story kind of like on pieces. It does mm. mention yeah. that she's very different. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That's um, the question yeah, I have I was,
2: because
3: I've, I've mm. not played that that section where it's re- it's implied, but I felt. In the first time, just in the first playthrough, that there was something, so I wasn't yes. that surprised yeah. about it. But it no,
1: absolutely. Um, I wondered where I was attracted to her. <laughs> <laughs>
3: well, that's what kind of us, <laughs> <laughs> you know. But.
0: So yeah, I mean, that's the interesting aspect of her character is that um, obviously you've got this. Um, very typical female-looking character but who's not acting like a typical female character uh, or or certainly not acting in a way you would expect based on her looks.
2: She almost has Tourette's. Yeah, uh, (laughs) Yeah.
0: almost. There is a very um, aggressive nature to her in terms of the way she treats people and the fact that she is very mistrustful and keeps people at arm's length. And you start to realise when you read that short story that there are reasons for all of this and a little bit of it is the developer... The developer wanting that "ta-da" moment where they say, where they they almost mock you a little bit for your expectations of this character, but it, but yes, and you're right, it's it's all there. You know, first time you hear anything in the game, it's her um, shouting, you know, profanities at the top of her voice. In a very un what would be I, an atypical way of of that sort of character you would expect to behave. It's, it's yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, I knew I would like the cut of the moment that it started getting spouted off. You know, like uh, I like the entire aggressive <laughs> aspect. You know, yeah. and uh, she, it also yeah. tells you that she picked up swearing because her grandmother was swearing all the time, and mm. she thought it was funny. Yeah. You know, she enjoyed yeah. the mood yeah, yeah, together. Yeah.
3: Yeah. And and, and of that reveal like it, it's it's cleverer than just saying oh she's a character dressed sexually, but. Uh the the underwear that she's wearing is very feminine very frilly mm. so it's, there's obviously some thought that's gone into what
2: why she's yes. doing what she's yeah. doing yeah um, and also but, so, as Darren says they obfuscate things with uh, the grandma's language being just as coarse as yeah. kinase so it's kind of like a, the, there was nature and nurture leading to yeah. her being yeah. like that beforehand anyway so mm. yeah
3: what I would say is I don't the point that it's making or it's trying to make that there's a, a, there is a little bit, there's a danger well there's a I guess there is a point about female there's gay not. characters um, yeah. but is there not a danger and this is something I, I'm still not sure about myself that by replicating what you are talking about because at the end of the day you still have a character who's sc- scantily clad and the camera does have yeah. lots of I, uh, uh, yeah. shots of her being scantily clad
2: so I don't know yes it's uh, also like close up bum shots and crotch shots as well, yeah
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I think at least partly because they're playing the long look at, game look at with all that this one, uh, really explicit
1: kind of, uh, camera yeah. angles that we made just to mock you Right. Yeah, it,
0: yeah. It, I, th- I think when it, taken a as a long message. game, you can see it's it's it is a build up to that message. But yes, you're absolutely right. They, they're putting a lot of faith in their audience to to look past that character as as object and see and try and delve deep into who she actually is, um, which isn't necessarily made easy by the way that she's presented. Again, initially. it's, so it's yeah. one of
1: those moments where the developers could say that um, if someone's looking past it and said oh that's a really brave move you did to uh, like show all these like ass uh, shots and stuff they'd be like yeah that's that's exactly why we did it mm.
3: yeah yeah yeah. yeah and, and sold the statues and the posters and the yeah yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. but uh, in, yeah in
2: the yeah. developers words um when when they were asked was it intentional not to actually emphasize the hermaphrodite issue um uh Yoku said to me Kaine being a hermaphrodite wasn't really a point of importance. Since people like this do exist in reality, we just don't know about them. I was actually surprised that it garnered so much attention after the game was released. So Yeah it, that is interesting. It was kind of there is kind of that message of why need why do you need to know when the yeah. story is about the shade? It's just a sort of mm. metaphorical link between the two or something yeah. along those lines. I think my, my,
3: my issue with that is that I think it does matter to her character. Like, I think it is an important part of her character. Um, because mm. it's not yeah. necessarily. I just. In terms of her backstory, it seems to be a relevant thing and, um,. I don't know. I think it is a. I. I, I Yeah, if you
0: have to get to the second playthrough and read a lot into it before you actually find that out. Yeah, I I get what he's.
2: I get what he's saying, and I agree with it to some extent. But I I think it's not as black and white as that. I think Hmm. the fact that they muddied the waters so much all the way through the game. Like I think he's even sort of playing that game in the interview. Really, if if yes, that's a good point. That's a good point.
0: Yeah. Yeah all right um i just wanted to quickly touch on emil who i mentioned earlier who is uh, a boy you find in the resident even evil style uh, mansion um who his stare has the ability to petrify um
3: which Grimwald vice says i've never heard of that before but at the encyclopedia who's never heard of medusa which is interesting <laughs> but there you go
0: yeah um it, to cut to the chase um because obviously we don't want to to run on terribly much um it transpires when you return to the mansion that Emile is actually a weapon that was uh made from a child soldier uh one of the uh hamlin organizations um child soldiers in in the Crusades um a weapon that was designed to uh, nullify the the previous uh, all powerful weapon who uh, who is his sister number six so he is number seven and he is essentially the failsafe for if number six uh, it goes out of control. Um, that all sounds a bit esoteric and a bit difficult to grasp, but th- what what that results in is, frankly, what I think is one of the best char- characters I've ever seen in the video game. Emil I just to a certain extent fell in love with from the moment I I met him and his arc through this game is just heartbreaking in so many ways. Um, from the point of view of finding out that he is this weapon, um, from the point of view of having to merge with his own sister essentially killing her in order to to, to save her and, and the rest of these people he's fallen in with... Um, To the the implied fact that he falls in love with Nier to a certain extent sees Kainé as a sister, so at the end when he then sacrifices himself, having become this skeleton uh, monster in his own eyes, um, he sacrifices himself, um, but then in in subsequent endings survives and um, and learns to... To love who he has become, on the basis that that Kaine especially says to him, you know, it doesn't matter what you look like; we still know who you are and and who you are to us, etc. Um, that character is just phenomenal to me. Um, he's got it- such a wooden smile as well. <laughs> <laughs> on the front of the box, Emil is the uh, skeletal-looking face that's on there, but that is not how you how he is when you meet him. Um, obviously, at this point we're well past spoiler territory and i've just well and truly spoiled emile's character arc but it it floored me um absolutely floored me uh, the the fight in the middle of the game and then you know going back to the mansion and 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 the moment when he he sees what he's become for the first time it's it's such, in, just su- such interesting places to take that character and there's a lot more going on than just the basic what's happening. There's uh, an incredibly emotional backstory to it. I, I um, had
3: no idea about um, him having feelings for her. That's completely new <laughs> to me. I, I,
0: I've, <laughs> I've read that a couple of times... Um, I kind of I get it I mean the of being the older sister type thing that makes sense because uh a lot of the time he is being very kind to her, she is being very harsh on him, but you get you do get the feeling that they they do develop this sort of uh respect and love for one another throughout the game, but in an absolutely sort of sibling type way and and in that respect, I would have said well near would still be the father in that sort of family family situation um but actually you realize in one of the endings that again you could read into it that kine and near kind of had feelings for one another as well so um but but yeah again i've read a couple of times and i kind of i do see it that um near near becomes kind of a figure a character that uh, emil gets besotted with to a certain extent um
3: I mean, I, I I thought it was interesting that before you see him in the skeletal form, he looks a lot yeah. like Yona. Uh, yes, yeah. And yeah, I f- saw, sort of, you know, uh, kind of symmetry in that paternal relationship, but um, I'm, I'm floored by, <laughs> by <laughs> this as I discovery. Say, as
0: I say, there, there's not, again, as with Kaine, there's not a lot in the game no, right. to suggest that, but um, I can see that as a reading, and it is one that I find quite interesting. I don't think it's necessary to see that. You could quite happily have him see near as a an older brother or a father that he he no, he never had, etc. Um, I think I'm right in saying that because uh, when you go to Emil's mansion, um, Yona sends you there because her pen pal has stopped writing to her, and I think it's therefore suggested that that Emil was the pen pal um, that was writing to Yona. I think um, the
3: butler ends up saying that he was he wrote a letter, um, right? Yeah, to to bring them to get him to come.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um so yeah, I can see that as well, you know, if if Emil is is effectively pen pal of Yona and they do look quite alike. You could see him seeing Nier as a father figure, but um it it maybe that makes more sense if um Nier is older brother of Yona, uh, perhaps in the Japanese version, but um Yeah, that's
2: that's where it brings the <laughs> which one came first into Yeah, potentially, of, yeah. And if, um, again, Grim One Nier does give more detail on this mm. if anyone sort of wants to look into it. It's, it's like, I don't know, is, is it something to sort of even get into? It's going to take us down another route entirely, isn't it? But just like look <laughs> yeah, into no, it if you need to look yeah. into it. It's, uh, yeah. And again, so, I think it's interesting that um, mm. the, as you play through the subsequent playthroughs of the game, yeah. uh, you're kind of getting, like the first time through is sort of Nier's ending. But not hmm. uh, the second time through is definitely Kaine's story, and then the third time maybe gives Emil a little more room to breathe because you know what's going on elsewhere.
0: Yeah, yeah, and obviously you end up with a very funny, funny and disturbing image of um, so Emil. It's a large
2: part of the ending, in any case.
0: Yeah, well, Emil sacrifices himself uh, when Popola is attacking, um, and is essentially obliterated. Um, allowing Nier and Kaine to go on and fight the Shadow Lord. Um, and uh, once you get through to uh, ending B, but then C and D as well, um, Emil's disembodied head lands in the desert and then rolls off to go and find Nier and uh, Kaine, which is just this wonderfully <laughs> ridiculous uh, image. But it it's, always did it's, seem hard-headed to me. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I'm aware time is, is against us. Um, we We can't talk about characters and not mention Grimoire Vice. Um, one of 13 Grimoire books that were developed as part of the of Project Gestalt. Um, he has a twin, which is Grimoire Noir. Um, the idea being those two books are uh, each half of part of the sealed verses, which will allow the Gestalts to return to their replicants. So his destiny is to merge with Grimoire Noir. Um, who is the book that um, the Shadow Lord has. Um, so very much kind of mirroring near in that respect versus the Shadow Lord. Um, but what makes Grimoire Vice so much a bigger part is obviously the amount of time you spend with him. And I think Liam O'Brien's voice acting um, just plays Grimoire Vice wonderfully. Um, incredibly sardonic. Cap and,
3: um, your, your form right from earlier Cap and Green convinced Alan yeah, Rickman it's spot, on. spot on yeah, 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 yeah totally yeah, friendly, yeah. Alan Rickman I just yeah. have
0: that
1: really interesting kind of arrogance to it which is just it, it's yeah. it's brilliant you know I couldn't imagine anyone else doing that at all yeah.
2: especially as with the uh, when, when it's telling you not to do things throughout the game it is almost the voice of the developer do you know what I mean like this <laughs> you can imagine yeah. this sort of like sarcastic developer sitting there just like t- thinking yeah like how can i taunt them more and like and then to have it in that perfect voice for doing that is just a nice touch
0: yeah i was reminded of grimoire vice when playing through the stanley parable actually because yeah. the narrator has that yeah. kind of yeah, mocking tone uh, all-knowing tone to to the voice as well so yeah. it's
3: important he's in the game as well because you mentioned earlier james that there's there's hmm. humor in the game and he's the main source of it and it would, yes. it would be yeah, a different game without him in it
0: Oh yeah yeah very much yeah yeah he's he's he is, uh, yeah absolutely he's that commentary on what's going on that you kind of need you do need someone not necessarily poking fun at what's going on but pointing out the ridiculousness of it um just just
3: it shows the self awareness yeah. of the game doesn't it yeah very much yeah i think absolutely. one of my favorite lines is uh, are we really going to take instruction from someone Clad only in their underwear, and it's just a—it's a really important part of the game.
0: And yeah, it's, it's just a, like a really yeah.
3: good signpost of just how ridiculous this situation the situation you're yeah, in. Yeah,
0: <laughs> the, they know. Th- yeah, absolutely. The developer and therefore the player is allowed to admit that how stupid it is in some ways—not stupid, but how silly it can yes. seem, and how ridiculous. Yeah, is a good word.
2: Especially if you imagine at this point now, someone listening to this podcast who hasn't <laughs> played the
0: game, right? A <laughs> um, talking book that's like Alan Rickman mocking you for taking instructions for, and from... And all of this story yeah. stuff that
2: will have made no sense whatsoever, and really doesn't make much sense to us, yeah. having like played through a few different endings of the game. Yeah, yeah, very much. Like, to not be able to know... That. So, I don't even think we've really spoiled much, to be fair. <laughs> even though we've almost spoiled everything. The thing is, I'm pretty sure that
1: this is a kind of game that you could spoil everything reading from a book. every Even the most minute details. And yeah. right at the end, they'll be like... So what happens? Yeah.
4: yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 I think yeah, context is important, but also actually the surprise in near is is seeing a lot of what happens and the way it's presented to you as well. Um
2: also the endings are Never Endings is kind of a
0: Yeah, it's a, a
2: thematic thing, isn't
0: it? Well, it's a climax to the game, but yes, there's there's yeah, there's theme and, and it's it, as we, as has been said it's particular for a certain character it's important but actually yeah there's other stuff going on around it that's important as well so uh, speaking of endings we've kind of talked about it i i have put into short sort of two and three sentence bursts what what happens in each ending um it's safe to say that each time in the ending you learn a bit more about what's going on um and and each ending in its own way has a certain, it has a positive aspect to it, but there's also a backdrop of a lot of negative stuff going on. In the first ending, Emile has sacrificed himself um, and Gestalt Yona, her her soul, has has sacrificed herself as well um, for the sake of these replicants who, now that Popola and Devil are no longer around, will not survive. So that it's a really downbeat ending. And I think that's the thing that struck me. It's not like ending B then says, don't worry, it's all fine. It's actually, if anything, even more depressing in in many, many ways. Um, I did think that during
1: playthrough B, it could get just a little bit mm-hmm. ham-fisted. Like, there's a bit at the yeah. end where um, Nier is storming the Sherlock's ca- uh, the Sherlock's Castle. And there's a bunch of shaded babies going around. And you can hear like yeah. what they're saying, you know, it's like, ah, they're just children, they don't know what they're doing. Stop, you're slaughtering children. And at mm. that point, it just seemed too much to be yeah. sad. It just seemed laughable, you know. So yeah. I started saying it out loud, you know, I am near, I have come for your babies.
0: Yeah i mean the the important part of that is that near can't hear that you can is 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 the thing but yeah, yeah. they they kind of especially with them um, with Jacob at uh junk heap with with that storyline of the two brothers who um who send you into or the one brother who sends you in to avenge. His his younger sibling who has died um, at the hand of a shade and a robot, and you realise that actually that's not what happened at all. It's there's plenty of other places where it demonstrates that there's more going on than than you thought first time around. And yeah, it, mm-hmm. I think that's that specific um, example you give, Darren, is a very good ex- a very good uh, point that it, it's overboard. Maybe it, you've kind of got that side of it already, and you didn't need it. Hammering over your head, yeah. Well,
3: that's, I think it's that the nature of having to replay those bits all in full, which I think I don't know is that how it works out in the in the
0: yeah video yeah, process? yeah okay. Yeah.
3: I mean, I, for me, this is my one of my bones of contention to the game. I think whilst everyone gets a kick out of knowing everything once you've done all these endings, it's mm. it's not good design at the end of the day. It's not a clever yeah, way yeah. of designing a game. Um, it's a it's a it's a self indulgent. I think way of designing a game uh, to it me is, it's, very, yeah. it's like a prog mm. rock album almost
1: isn't it? <laughs> yeah uh, yeah. at the same time though you could argue that it's for people like me that are just oblivious to everything that's happening and really need to be hit <laughs> over the ads
2: <laughs> hurry over the head of it this is actually what's happening <laughs> and for people like me that do get obsessed about the minutiae behind like these universes you know it's like <laughs> there are so many like the fact that Again, the fact that we haven't really talked much about the game, yet we've been speaking for like an hour and a half, is <laughs> like quite astonishing, you know, that there are, you can keep, people can keep going back to it and finding new little niches if they want, I think.
0: <laughs> so, speaking of going back to the game, I mentioned that I didn't have a save file left to start the game again. That's because ending D. So ending C and D are, are two sides of a choice that you're given once you've collected all the weapons in the game. I don't know if there's a reason for that given in Grimoire uh, Nier, but it seems to me rather arbitrary that you have to have all the weapons in order to be given this choice at the end. Maybe it's supposed to be that Nier is therefore powerful enough to that's... control some destiny. Speaking um, about getting of all the game. weapons, that's the reason yeah. why I
1: bought the DLC, is because it made some yeah. of the materials yeah. easier to obtain. Yeah, It's yeah. worth getting for the music, but... Uh... I think, yeah, that's about, sure. yeah. I think that's about as much as we'll talk about the DLC because it's not particularly in depth you know it's more like a battle right. lane, Okay.
0: Yeah. yeah um, so, some
2: uh, of the drop rates are awful when you're trying to get those weapons yeah
0: yeah, yeah. but the, the, so the ch- you get a choice at the end and one of the choices is for Nier to sacrifice himself and it is made I think it's made pretty clear I certainly seem to remember that being the case that Nier won't just sacrifice himself he will be erased from history and that is true yeah, in the game as well. With, yeah,
2: like, this like go for the other one because like this is the real ending.
0: Yeah. If you know what I mean. So if you get through to ending D, you've played A, B, and C. You're given this choice where you're raised near from his the history in the game, but also outside of the game. So it deletes your save file, and you are no you just like Zelda. You choose the name of your character to begin with. You are no longer allowed to use that name if you start a new game either, because the name um, has when, also been
1: erased from history.
0: Because it's been erased from history, so you cannot use that at all. Which, which is quite uh, it's quite nice in a in a sort of Kojima esque way to to mess with the player a bit like that. Um, but it does make going back to the game afterwards a little tough, um, as I found out. So um, the one thing that we've talked about a little bit, but will stand out for anyone who's played the game, and will certainly stand out. Um, Well, will maybe stand out also if you either haven't played the game or uh, played a little bit but didn't get too far into it is the music. I mentioned at the beginning the original soundtrack is two discs, it's 150 minutes of music Um, it is far and away the thing of highest production quality about this game I think is fair to say
3: I would go further, I'd say it's arguably one of the best soundtracks of the last generation maybe of, of gaming for the last 10 or 20 years it's one of my favorite albums,
2: like throughout my life. I like it. Okay, you win. No, no, but it really is. You know, I can listen to it as an actual album rather than. It is a beautiful, a you know it's, um, Yeah. It's well, it, it, it's it's in the spirit of
0: escalation, catchy. I will say this album defines my entire existence. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I, I think <laughs> it's clear to see that... I, say
1: <laughs> I like it. It's actually, uh, good. Okay, it's win. quite nice. I think, I
0: think it's yeah. It's fair to say the the soundtrack stands out um, I'm sure we all have our favourite tracks um, but the, I think what's important to, to say and what maybe to me drilled home how big of a deal Nier was even though the game itself might not have shown, borne that out is the original soundtrack's two discs, there were then three separate arrangement albums, um, one of which was kind of a mix of different arrangements, one of which was um, I think electronic and one of which was piano um,
2: um yeah, the well the, the second one is a tribute album by right. it's mostly electronic, but there's a yeah. great um klezma version of uh, Shadow Lord's Castle, I right. think it is. Yeah. Uh like, you know, Dispossession and Shadow Lords Castle are kind of similar. Yeah. And it's yeah. like a they're they're both sort of variations on a theme, and then this is like a dancey klezmer version. I've actually played it at a party and like to see a room full of people dancing to a song in <laughs> the Town channel
0: is dog <laughs> <laughs> there there were also a couple of mini albums gain, given away with pre-orders. Um the music in this game was a big deal at, at the time. Um in Japan those out al- the um I think certainly two of the arrangement albums and the original soundtrack charted in the Japanese album charts. Um
3: That's amazing because there's such a western flavor to that soundtrack. I mean it's yeah. so it's yeah. latin flavors, western flavors, japanese flavors.
0: I don't yeah, see much well, of that. yeah. That's yeah, old. absolutely. Well, that, and that's and that's the very strange thing about it is the I think eight languages that Emmy Evans the the English-born um vocalist uh who who did all the vocals and wrote the lyrics for for these uh tracks. She what she did did was take seven existing languages um and write them even though she only actually spoke three of them I think which only spoke three like I could muster muster one let alone three but um so she spoke three languages and then took another um, four and tried to imagine what they'd be like after 1,300 years of evolution. Um, and so the words aren't there, but they're all the sounds of those seven different languages and then combined those seven into an eighth, which is used on, I forget which song it is, um, maybe Song song of the Ancients, yeah, yeah, <clears throat> which is a, a combination as if all languages kind of merged oh, into one.
3: Even the soundtrack is impossibly convoluted and, com- and it, impenetrable. Yeah, it has its own meta <laughs> story. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> nuts.
0: The, I cannot fathom how one. Okay, the language probably wasn't developed, but how one comes up with what a language might sound like, specifically to people who don't know it, because the idea was that these vocals would never get in the way of conversations and cutscenes that were happening on screen over them. Um, so it should always sound like human language, but not be. Um, Intelligible, so therefore, you should never be trying to hear what is being sung. You should be listening to and paying attention to what's going on, on the screen. Um, seems to be the the sort of ethos behind it. But the note, the notion, but basically, mythical
1: yeah. vocal cadences. You know, that's yeah. the best way I would yeah. describe it. Because yeah. I mean, if you, if you, if, if, yeah, <laughs>
0: that was me doing it just now. <laughs> that's what Scottish sounds like in, in a, a thousand years well that's it. <laughs> totally yeah or at least after a bottle of whiskey yeah.
1: <laughs> but uh, no I mean if you I'll you just merge all those languages and you, the whole thing would sound like gibberish but you'd still be able to get, pick out the cadences and try and like think mm. about how to do it musically yeah. yeah so I
2: think the French one and the uh, the Gaelic one are especially noticeable like mm. maybe it's just because I'm quite used they're, like, they're the to- closest proximity wise yeah. to like where I live but I can spot the one that's supposed to be like French and yeah you know you can get a, a feel of the language from what she's done yeah
0: it astounding and and let's not forget uh Keiichi Okaba uh, Kaba? Uh, apologies if I'm getting this pronunciation wrong I hold hands up and uh, high in the air and say that it's all on me uh, if you listening
2: listening Keichi, we'll-
0: yeah, right. yeah, absolutely, I do apologize Okay, be Okabi-san, we are very sorry, man. <laughs> so uh, d- his uh, musical studio, Monaka, um, along with two or three representatives of Kavya, um, put together fantastic music. The best way I can describe it is sort of choral acoustic music, um, but there's all sorts of instruments at play in, in this. It is a soundtrack that you would... I would frankly not really... Ha- I, I wouldn't bat an eyelid if it was a, a symphonic orchestra playing it. It's that elaborate, that layered. Um, that, that's the thing. The, like
3: it's, it's um, yeah. you know, most of the gaming soundtracks I'm drawn to are these big old crestal things, or they're very digital, synthesized stuff. And this is not like either of those. This is quite a smaller affair. Usually, just a few yeah. instruments in each in each song, or even sometimes no, no it's sort of gently electronic as well. Though. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. It's got that acoustic side to it. Yeah, yeah.
3: I really love the, uh, the, the the very first track on the album, the choral track, uh, which is played in the very first cutscene. Uh, yeah, S- yeah, Snow in Summer. I think. Yeah, I that's think. Right.
0: That's one. Yeah. That's yeah. beautiful. Yeah. It, it's, yeah, it's astounding to me. Yeah, it it, it has that quality, that layered depth and, and the various instruments at play that I guess that's what I mean when I say would seem at home in an orchestra. But yeah, it does have a very, uh, a quietness to it, uh, that acoustic side that does make it seem... Um, yeah, like the sort of thing I could quite happily put on almost no matter what mood I was in. Um, yeah,
1: Yeah, I mean, anyone that's followed me on Twitter has definitely, well, might have seen me posting links to Ultimate Weapon Number no. 7. It's a uh, meals mm. theme from the Nightmare on the Range tracks. And yeah. that is just an incredible piece of music, you know? The like, yeah. first time I heard yeah. it, because it's, it's a remix, you know? It's like a really upbeat kind of remix. Yeah. And yeah. The first time I heard it, I was like, what the hell have they done to them? Oh, that's pretty nice. <laughs> and uh, just become yeah. one of my favourites it's just an incredible piece of music
0: Needless to say even if you've listened to all of this and decided you don't want to play near, check out a couple of those tracks that we have just mentioned um, Hills of Radiant Winds Snow in Summer and Ultimate Weapon Number no. 7 all worth a listen to, there's a lot of very interesting stuff going on in this soundtrack So with that we will start uh Coming towards the close, um, I wonder, Sinan, if you would read the post by Ideology Light for us, please. Of
3: course. So Ideology Light says, Nier, while undoubtedly a mixed bag, represented, for me, something that was absent from boxed retail games in the mid to latter part of this generation. Surprise. While big budget games borrowed every popular idea from each other and descended into a kitchen sink development mentality, Near walked its own path, seemingly oblivious. I literally had no idea what funny little trick it would play on me next. A top-down shooter, JRPG, 2D platformer, hack and slasher, isometric dungeon crawler. He goes on for... no, this is the last one. Haunted house game, a gardening (laughs) game. This allowed me to (laughs) overlook its flaws and simply enjoy what felt like a fresh experience with a lot of heart and sincerity. The funny thing about Nier is how much of a bad impression it makes in the initial few hours. The prologue, uh, brackets, bash seemingly endless waves of enemies with iffy combat system until dead. Uh, Very true. Uh, The wise, you dumbass opening quote that you'll hear every damn time you start the game. Which I love. uh, Which I I agree (laughs) with you. (laughs) Um, The ugliest sin main character model. Disagree with you there as well. The sparse environmental graphics all may lead you to believe that it's frankly not worth the effort. Many critics shrug their shoulders upon its arrival, and you may assume from the lukewarm reception that you should cut your losses and trade it back in. And yet... (laughs)
0: that and yet is I think uh, a decent place to stop it's worth saying that Ideology Light um, had a post that was uh, about three times that long Um, wonderfully written post but we just don't have time to go through, through all of it I think it's just very interesting that and yet at the end kind of sums up how I feel about this there are umpteen rational reasons to say that Near does stuff that could be aggravating or even bad you know just outright you know bad um as much as that's not a very um, not a terribly objective way to put it um and yet all the stuff that we've talked about I kind of felt that was a very nice way to put it is just the and yet that's all we kind of need and yet it's doing something different I, I loved the um the opening point as well which is why i can uh, what i said earlier it's about surprise. It's doing stuff that not a lot of games that I've seen before have have done, or since even. Um, and it surprised me at every single turn. So apologies to Ideology Light for curtailing that uh, post there. It is worth getting onto our forums, if you are so inclined, um, because he talks about all the stuff, that some of which we mentioned, some of which we haven't, that means that actually for him, Nier is, is uh, much... Um, much bigger than the sum of its parts, much better than the sum of its parts so, we come round to our three word reviews, we had a lot of responses for this game it is fairly clear, as I think Sinan, you said before we started, that you get strong reactions when it comes to Nier and the people who strongly love this game really, really strongly love this game, um, so if we could take that in uh, in order as it says just under there
2: Okay, Eddie and Zoto. Says, thoughtful, rewarding, unforgettable.
0: Ed Phil says, tune, done right. Afraid to Merge, uh, who is Steve Haskey of A-Jumps, B-Shoots podcast. I said near. Um <laughs> <tsunami>. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so the, it's probably worth just clarifying that there's the amongst the group of people who are very fond of near on Twitter. Any time near is mentioned, <laughs> the question "Did someone say dot dot dot?" is asked. <laughs> so, I have no uh, idea uh,
3: how that started, but I'm pretty sure. Uh, Big Repression had a bad hand to play. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I think uh, I played a ho-
2: some part as well. So. Yeah, we were we were I all think we we're all guilty uh, of it. A at a certain some
0: time, point. we were all copied in on those tweets. Um, so yeah. uh, Steve putting a nice uh, denouement on those tweets. He's the one who said near. <laughs> it's funny
2: that we kind of made a, sash- a social side to a game that doesn't have a social side. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. For a minute, uh, I thought it was a play on the the name, which was like I said near. <laughs> yeah yeah no yeah. this No it's
3: uh, <laughs> it's just another layer of me. it's
0: yeah absolutely <laughs>
3: Um So Brad Galloway who uh from Game Critics uh podcast as well, which I host, um richly rewards patience.
2: Capping Green, aka Daniel Owens True Flawed Gem.
1: Frylock Nine Ten, Matt Morris Enjoyed three playthroughs.
0: Uh the Sonic Mall Sai says Unpolished, quirky gem.
3: Uh, Fraction Bastard, who is the lovely Siam Ahmed, said, uh, Brilliant, tragic,
2: rough. Justin McElroy says, Fascinating, book flawed.
0: Mechonis FX wiped my save. Uh, I think it, it's worth pointing out that McConus FX tried to sneak in two others, um, which were both great, but we do only allow one, oh, so like Wiped My I, Save eh? was the one that went there. <laughs> <laughs> um Mr. Durand Pierre, uh, Jeffrey Matliffe, uh, another big red potion here. A lot of us here. <laughs> says, fresh, exciting, surprising. Also, a Eurogamer, we should point out, but that, those are his three words.
3: Uh, Science Groen, who's um, Andrew Groen, formerly of Penny Arcade Report, says, do not
2: want. Final Max Storm, uh, Michael A. Cunningham, says, bad yet fantastic.
1: H 111111111101 Holly Hawkins says Weiss you dumbass to which I will reply I'm going to throw you in the goddamn furnace
0: (laughs) (laughs) only after contemplating tearing out pages one by one yep Um, Paddy Stardust Patrick Smith of the Twin Humanities podcast says that final ending that could go for any of the endings to be honest I think A to D all have their their um, significance but yeah, that final one... Yeah. Uh, and there
1: was going to be a fifth.
0: And there was going to be a fifth, yeah. Uh, right, Darren, would you like to take us through Scrissell's, uh comment on the forum, please? Absolutely. Scrissell says, Nier is an odd
1: game for me. I was really surprised by how much I enjoyed it, and I found that the reasons I enjoyed it were things that I don't usually look for in a game. For one thing, being an RPG, a JRPG, sorry, it's part of a genre which is usually one of my least favourites. Although you could argue that it isn't a genre at all, and perhaps that's the reason I got along with it much better than the usual JRPG, but that's another topic. Somehow this game manages to be much more than some of its uh, parts. There are many aspects about it which could easily be a deal-breaker for me. For a start, the game is pretty ugly. Everything is quite low detail, and everything looks kinda dull and drab. The player cutter is a pretty ugly model as well. The animations are clunky and ungrateful too. Although the magic system is relatively interesting, the overall combat in the game is not that great. There are the aforementioned animation problems, and as a whole, it's not particularly deep. The overworld is small with only a handful of locations in it that you often visit repeatedly, and there are a lot of tedious and unimaginative side quests. Yet none of that seemed to matter to me when I was actually playing the game. Although there were one or two places I felt like I was seeing a little too much of it through the game, and ended up avoiding some of the side quests, I found it easy to maintain momentum throughout the game and I never got tired of it. Even when I finished the game and went through it again to get the second ending, I never felt like I wanted to put the game down or give it a break.
0: Yeah. Um, Yeah, very nicely put, I thought. um, I think he
3: makes a really important point in his second paragraph about all the things which are deal-breakers for him, or could have been deal-breakers for him. You just imagine the Square Enix marketing department looking at the, the exact same things, yeah. like the game's ugly, yeah, it's you a could, small world. You could actually um,
1: see the beads of sweat breaking out in their heads. Exactly.
0: <laughs> well, even just from the character, I mean, okay, outside, in Japan, that, that uh, more typical JRPG protagonist was there, but there's so much about this game that is just counterintuitive to to a, a video game that's released on a console as ostensibly not maybe not a triple A, but certainly a, a large budgeted boxed retail release from a publisher like Square Enix. Um yeah, yeah, definitely.
1: Frankly I've got to give them kudos for having the balls to put it out. Good point. Yeah. You know, just to green light yeah. it in the first yes, place. Yeah. I mean,
2: that, Although I'm not sure when they greenlit it quite what it would end up. <laughs> to be fair.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's true also.
1: Well that's a deal. I mean you've got these really interesting uh, quirky titles and then you've got stuff like Final Fantasy thirteen it's sold more but I mean <laughs> it's just not as interesting a game in any way shape or form
2: yeah, I, I think it's interesting that the, the marketing budget behind Final Fantasy 13 and clearly the contrast of Nier hmm. like, I, about I can 10 see Niers. why it happened but wouldn't it be interesting if like say 10% of that Final Fantasy 13 budget had been spent on marketing Nier it would... or
1: even development near? you know yeah.
2: Oh. Oh, yeah. or if Nier was <laughs> the one that got
3: two sequels
1: oh man that would be so oh, man. good man. <laughs> Although Dragon Guard 3, Drakengard Three, yeah See then, you have actually depressed me more than I can mention. <laughs> Mission successful. <laughs> that is just a beautiful thought, and it's just never going to happen.
3: No, never going to happen.
0: Well, Caviar's uh, no more. Uh, as Dan all. says, m- maybe well, it'll uh, get rolled back yeah. into Dragon Guard Three. Um, yeah,
2: it, like it's as close to having Navier, uh, Caviar do it as you can get. It's like the Deadly Premonition team with the core of the Near team plus the Near soundtrack team. Yeah. So yeah. I think. It could, it's not going to be a sequel to Nier, but I think there's going to be a touch of spiritual that. successor type. Yeah, yeah. well, I mean, that's the thing. Perhaps, I mean,
1: yeah. Nier wasn't a sequel to Dragon Guard, you know, so. No, yeah. no, no, so, yeah, absolutely. Okay. With the threads run deep.
0: It's, it's time to try and summarise all of that stuff we've just talked about into our own personal feelings about the game. Not necessarily even whether we'd recommend it, because at this point, I think it's pretty clear that we're recommending the game on the whole <laughs> yeah, but how do we feel about the game dan how about you you kick us off um
2: i think as we said before there is a kind of it nudging at you you know kind of pet small scale trolling of you that makes it likable uh, but at the same time they're doing like they it's a bit like that Matt Hazard game you know where it's taking the mickey out of the flaws of games themselves and falling into the same trap um there are flaws but there's yeah i i think as you if you've listened to the show there's something about it the fact that we've talked for we've overrun by miles and we've barely scratched the surface of the game um i find that i find that totally fascinating that that the there is this depth to it that you can just keep going there if you want or you can just play it as Sinan says you can just go through once and still get a, a nice little story out of it um, I, I think it works on all sorts of levels but just mm. the emotional touch it has it's the most touching game I've ever played Like, I don't know how else to explain it really that mm. it it just sort of communicates better than other games do and I think I hope the fact that I'm finding it so difficult to explain having had this um <laughs> like it was spoiled right at the start when you said yeah it's like the game tries to be your friend but then doesn't and and it's like yeah that is what it does and there's some beauty to that yeah. and I'll be listening to that soundtrack and thinking about the game and what it means probably for the rest of my life you know
0: yeah yeah can't say more in terms of emotional impact than that yeah. Darren
1: yeah, it's just interesting what Dan was saying there about uh, how the game doesn't like you. Because um, on a psychological level, you know, like, generally if someone's interesting and fun and they've kind of got, like, a slight disdain for you, you're going to be like, mm. Nier, like me, I like you, why don't you like me? <laughs> and, and there's a degree of that. But, I mean, the thing for me is that I've got no problem with flawed games, you know? Like, nearly everybody mm. that's spoken about this game says that it's flawed, and flawed in certain ways. And... I would much rather have a game that is flawed and interesting than a game that is flawless and boring. Because those two can go together, you know? Just because a game is technically flawless means that it's doing Mm. nothing wrong, but it might not be doing that much right, you know? Mm. And just the cutters in this game, the overall vibe, especially the music, you know? The music is such a huge part of this game. Mm. And just this really interesting, unique-style storytelling... There's very few games that I could see compared to near in any shape or form. You know, like the Mm. the general vibe it gives off, the emotions that it tries to instill in you, like the messages of love and peace and friendship, and the fact that there is no hope, essentially, just slight glimmers. It's just a really depressing overall theme. Mm. I've got no idea what other kind of game tries to install that in you. And I find this game absolutely fascinating, you know. I would recommend it without hesitation, as we've said before. You know, obviously it's a, it's a very different kind of game, and I'm just glad that Square Enix Green like this. It's a shame they didn't market it to any, to any degree, but just the fact that it exists makes me happy.
0: Absolutely. I, I'm, I'm going to struggle now to put my summary in words that aren't similar to Dan and Darren's, but um, I think, yeah, we've talked about the fact that Nier almost sets you up for a fall. Aside from the very opening, which some people find a bit of a hurdle, um, it sets itself up as a Zelda game, as an Okami game, as a bit of a God of War game, maybe like Shadow of the Colossus. And Shadow of the Colossus is kind of the, the easy, the, the, the sensible thing to point to out of those, actually, because it sets your expectations and then it goes about in the second half of Nier systematically undoing all of those expectations and it's not necessarily subtle or gentle about doing so it will put you in awkward positions in order to get that emotional response from you even if that emotional response is frustration at having to traverse and backtrack again it will do that but for me for all the flaws and all the individual bits that maybe aren't quite what they should be it's about the and I'm sorry for this, it's about the gestalt of the game. It's about the overall impact it has and the overall impact that this game had on me, as Dan, you quite rightly brought up at the beginning, this game turned me around on an entire nation's output of video games in terms of I, I'd, I'd got a view of... J, JRPGs is what we're talking about, really. No, so I got a view of <laughs> overly emotional, overwrought over-designed characters. Um, you probably just played Final Fantasy VII by that point, though. I hadn't even played that. Oh. Um, <laughs> still haven't. I'm sorry, um, but um, but that I couldn't relate to. And near has aspects of those th- th- those tropes that that make it similar to a JRPG. But I could relate to characters in it. I felt about these characters in ways. I had never felt about a character in a video game. It remains the most emotional experience I've had with a video game, hands down, bar none. And that is absolutely why I, I rate this so highly. It's up there amongst my favourite games of all time, if you couldn't already tell from the way I've been talking about it. Um, as for recommending it, I I do, to a certain extent, I, I kind of expect that people will have already known about it and played it if they were interested. But even on our forums, a couple of people saying always been a bit reluctant about this but it seems from what people are saying i should maybe give it a try if that's your reaction to anything we've said which all right by this point you could argue we spoiled it but that's why i think near is important and i think it's worth playing for all its flaws as much as the things it does right i
1: do have to wonder how much i would recommend playing it mm. after we've just gone and spoiled entire guts of the game yeah, probably, it's you know difficult. i don't
2: think we really have though because it goes into such detail in what it does there'll, there'll be so many we haven't even touched on the fact that it goes to a sort of Diablo-esque isometric RPG mm. at one point you know like no. there's so much we haven't touched on I'm sure we haven't really spoiled much at all So,
0: yeah I, I guess what I'm saying is that in terms it of sound like we've about people who haven't listened time, to the yeah. show but I would without reservation recommend that it, based on a few nuggets of information if it sounds interesting you'll probably get something from it um, even if you don't at this stage it's not going to be a wasted experience to try it, even if you think we're all nuts. Um, which <laughs> I, I'm not going to cast aspersions on my co-host, but I'll happily take that particular uh, particular character. Likewise, and it's a game
2: very, uh, it's very difficult not to be hyperbolic about Nier, in some yeah. way. Whether it's like not in the directions that you'd think, but by saying it's the best soundtrack of the past ten years sounds hyperbolic, but it really is. Well, not, the if, best not yeah, not if that's just years.
0: how you feel. Then it's not hyperbole, I guess, but. So to wrap us up, Sinan, would you like to uh, to give us your your thoughts, please?
3: Try and somehow say something that's not <laughs> already been said. Um,
0: yeah.
3: Hopefully, you are the kind of person who uh, uses uses cane Rinses, helpful indexing, and goes to the to the summaries at the end. I am. Before, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's why you're here. Um, <laughs> so, uh, what I would say is near. For me, isn't one of the best games of the previous generation. I wouldn't even say it's necessarily close. Uh mm. but it is one of the most interesting. Um because it's constantly trying to surprise you. Uh as as James has so uh evidently stated. Um it's it's not always when it does surprise you, it's not always the best at doing it as well. It has its flaws, as we've mm. said. But it's it's that desire to always surprise you and that desire to always keep things interesting and to be different uh i think it categorically is trying to be different so we've just come out this uh long hard slog of uh of the silly season of triple a games which are all <laughs> lookalikes and this is i couldn't think of a more perfect time to just take a break and play something like near
0: all right that has been our show on near uh, issue 111 remains for me, James Carter, to thank absolutely without reservation uh, for all of their input. It has been a fascinating discussion uh, and a wonderful uh, trip back to 2010 for me. Um, Thank you very much to Darren Foreman. To special guest Dan Clark. You can find his work, uh, I think, probably still up on the the old AI Bots uh, podcasts.
2: You won't find it, but... um... It's coming up to our second anniversary sometime soon, so um, yeah, something might happen for that, but that would be spoilery. So. <laughs> um,
0: <laughs> du, du, du. We will look out for that, and, and uh, for your first appearance since uh, the Streets of Rage show that you, you were yeah, on. And also, um, for the, the people
2: that are on this show, I probably wouldn't know you guys as well as I do without this game
0: yeah it's, it's yeah, us worth ones, saying you know, like yeah. literally
2: all four of you so yeah. four, three <laughs> yeah Nir I'm including Nir
0: and then we'll delete him at the end I, I thought you were including yourself in a sort of uh, like speaking <laughs> yourself Mets in the way. third person I can't wait
1: until the social game comes out so it's just like bringing people together
2: <laughs> and then and then they'll just shut shut it down as soon as everyone's
0: joined <laughs> yeah uh, but it'll be intentional unlike so many other games um and uh, thank you, finally, but in no way least of all at all, thank you very much to Sinan Kuba of Joystick.
3: My pleasure. It's such a good uh, show to be on, so thank you so much for having me on. Um, not at
0: all, it's a pleasure to have you back. Yes?
3: I'll just quickly plug, also gamecritics.com, I did the podcast Absolutely. there. Absolutely.
0: You do indeed, yeah. It was remiss of me to say that, uh, to, to not mention well, that alongside.
3: People know, uh, I think people... I got chastised for saying people might not know joystick on a, on a digital cowboys podcast for a while ago um, so but maybe, maybe people don't know dot critics.com as much so um, the podcast there is great and, and I heard we, it.
0: we've heard from uh, Brad Galloway on tonight's uh, three word reviews or today's three word reviews um, but also you will have potentially heard him on the I Am Alive show uh, and 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 obviously you've been on a couple of times previously as well which um Always a delight to have you, and I was lucky enough to, to make a return appearance on, on the uh, Game Critics show. Oh, yes, recently. I completely
3: forgot to mention that. Yes, if you want to hear more of James talking about this year in games, you should listen to our Game of the Year show, which will go up uh, the day after we're recording, so Sunday the January or something of to be completely useless but it will be up hopefully by the time the show goes up and uh,
0: oddly near gets a mention because why wouldn't it it does (laughs)
3: it's so stupid it gets
2: quite a lot of mentioning it does indeed did someone say
0: someone did exactly very much and on that note next time uh, issue 112 uh, agent 47 will have been in the study with the poison sausage as we tackle hitman blood money
1: (laughs) incidentally that was how uh, Kenny was referenced once as well (laughs) (laughs)
3: <laughs> just, you've just ruined two hours of
0: we, We've lost it. Yeah, we, we've lost it. Thank you, incredibly, for joining us, uh, the three of you, and also all of our listeners. Thank you very much, and see you next time around.